In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The doors of Lent have opened. And we have entered into the school of repentance. And as the church has been preparing us this entire time, she does not hold off in throwing us into the deep end, and especially the wisdom, insight of the canon of St. Andrew, which puts before us, as we heard in the canon, the account of creation from Moses. We have highlights of the patriarchs, the prophets, Joseph. We have Elijah, Elisha. We have put before us even themes from the New Testament. And in the language of the church, we've really, really emphasized how much we have missed the mark. How much that we reverberate, repeat what Adam and Eve did at the very beginning. Trading everything of paradise, of God, for the cheap imitation. And we live beset with all of the trouble that comes with that. And the church is, in its language, very strong and not just reminding us, you know, like your mother when you're going out the door when you're a teenager, remember, don't, you're already out the door. But this is the, this is crisis mode. This is looking you deep into your eyes, making sure that you're connected and saying, this is serious. This is not just that quick exit out the door. This is life or death. And it is the intensity of this rhetoric to wake up, magnify, put in front of us things that we so quickly just want to move to the side. Maybe we intellectually, yes, we know we're sinners. Check. I know that. Now what? But the struggle of Lent is to wake up to the reality of the, how our teeth are set on edge, how we have the bitterness of what the fallout of our choices and all of the things that we have missed in all of its depth. This is part of the reason why the church, and this evening we had a little over an hour and a half of church. You might not think this, but I, I look back fondly to seminary when we were in church for, if I remember correctly, eight hours on Clean Monday, doing all of the canonical services, even doing particular appointed sermons from St. Ephraim the Syrian that would have been a monastic cycle. And by Wednesday of pre-sanctified, because we would do then the canon after that, the service after the pre-sanctified, you start getting really tired. 
And if you're engaging the actual tradition of the church, this week is one of the strongest weeks of fasting. This is not necessarily that you should take this on per se, but in the monasteries, according to your strength, you would not eat today, you would not eat tomorrow, and the first time that food would touch your lips after the Eucharist on Wednesday of the pre-sanctified is when you would actually eat. And it would usually be dry food and some water. There is in this, I'm not saying this like this is exactly what you need, but this hour and a half of exerting yourself, maybe you started sweating a little bit. I'm wondering, especially if this is the first time you've done this, I thought, when we finished the canon, maybe we were close to the end already. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, the canon's at the very beginning. Okay. But this is, and you hear it in the service itself, the intensity of the canon. And then some psalms, and then we're right into Isaiah with God is with us. You're plunged into the depths of reality, and then you are brought right up into the fact that Jesus Christ has come, the Mighty One, the Council of Angels, the Counselor, the Everlasting Father. On His shoulder stands the government of everything of God's kingdom. And then we start this kind of ride. I'm going to say kind of roller coastery, but it's just this intensity. But I especially, and I think I've gone to this prayer at least one night during the canon of Clean Week, to the prayer of Manasseh, which is an intense prayer. I keep on using this word intense. It's going to become banal at some point, right? Like this depth where we have that we have sinned like no one else. And in fact, the righteous before, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they didn't actually sin compared to what I have done. My sins are more than the sands of the sea. My transgressions have multiplied. I can't even look up into heaven because of how weighed down and how numerous my iniquities are. And I feel rejected. I have no relief. Does this not sound like the Psalms? Does not the rhetoric of all of the hymny sound like the prophets when they were saying, hey, Israel? Does this not sound like our Lord and his parables, what the actual import of his teaching is? When we were kneeling in the middle of the canyon saying, awake my soul, the time is drawing near. This is why we had Great Judgment Sunday, to remind us of the fleetingness of our life but as we pray the prayer of Manasseh, one of the lines that has always jumped out at me is that we say to God, you are the God of repentance. This is the path. This is the way that we wake ourselves up by doing prostrations, by attending services, by increasing our prayer by denying ourselves certain go-to luxuries. This is not a diet. <laughs> this is not a just a better use of your time. This is life or death. This is your relationship with God. 
And this is given to you as that time to be able to actually, in the depth of yourself, not in those morning or evening prayers where we may just say them out of rote, but that we see God and God sees us and we know that he loves us, that he is with us, that even in the depths of the pit, he is there. This language of the services of Great Lent and of our prayers are not there to send us into despair, to make us despondent, that we cannot be saved. Because he is the God of repentance. We need to hear his strong word to us. And say, we need him to judge us. We want him to judge us now so that we can be ready for that final judgment, so that we can cleanse ourselves, so that we can actually repent and turn to him. This is all the structure of our prayers. He is the one who orders all things. He is the one whom we have sinned against. And yet, or but, he is the one who loves us. He is the one who came down not just to become one of us, but to come down even into our death. One of the great basic lessons that I hope that this particular service in the Canon of St. Andrew brings home is that we can't do this on our own. This is throughout the Fathers. Basically, there's a temptation. We've been hearing this for weeks. And embracing the ascetical life, fasting, services, prayers, for us to think that you know, at some point, maybe on Tuesday, you start to pack yourself on the back. I'm doing okay. I don't feel so hungry. I'm not so tired. Actually, you know, I feel a little light. I feel good. About the second or third week, fourth, fifth week, especially about the fifth week, church knows this, you're not going to feel that way anymore. <laughs> and you're going to really know that you can't do it on your own energy. That you can't on your own this is just basic Christianity 101. You can't save yourself. You have to fall on his mercy. You have to reach out to him in the depths of your soul and your heart and cry out. That's what he wants. Not because he's sadistic or crazy, but because we're so lost. And we need him more than life itself because he is life itself. May God continue to be with us if we are tempted to despair, if we fall in the fast, if we get, you know, such even tomorrow or even the next hour where our anger, our greed, whatever that thing is, just rears up. This is the opportunity to say, I see you, I see myself, I've fallen down to get up to make a prostration before God and say, forgive me. Because as you heard me all tonight, I am broken, I am wretched, and I need you. This is why we will come again tomorrow. This is why we will need the midweek, I'll say pick up or encouragement of the pre-sanctified liturgy. And then Thursday, again, to come uh, and contemplate who God is and where we stand with him.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.